We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. In the work Saint for My City, a black figure stands, palms open, atop a multicolored plinth adorned with bullet casings and the names of deities in graffiti-like lettering. Outside of Baltimore's Lexington Market, a lacy iron and steel archway titled Robert and Rosetta reckons with the use of enslaved labor and the sale of enslaved people at the market. These works by Olitha Devane are emblematic of her creative approach to exploring social, political, and religious themes. Devane lives and works in Ellicott City. In June, she received a 2023 Baker Artist Award for her multidisciplinary work. Tonight at 7.30 p.m., Maryland Public Television will air profiles of all six 2023 Baker Artist Award winners, including Devane. You can catch that on MPTHD or online at mpt.org slash livestream. Olitha Devane joins us by Zoom. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really am very honored, first of all, to be a Baker Award winner. I feel like it's one of those uh, awards that really recognize the kind of work that's being done by Baltimore artists. And so it's a very special opportunity to be able to share what it is that we do. There's a lot of really great people here. And you're one of them. You were born in Baltimore and earned a Bachelor of Fine Arts from the Maryland Institute College of Art. When did you know you wanted to be an artist? Oh my God, when I was about five years old. I couldn't believe it because, you know, I kept thinking, people ask me that a lot. And I can remember sitting in my grandmother's front yard. She lived in Virginia and she had a sand, uh, sort of a sand driveway. And I used to sit out there and that's where I did a lot of my drawings. In the sand. In the sand, <laughs> exactly. I drew, I drew these big little drawings of people in the sand. She would come out every now and then and said, oh, that looks pretty good. And then my cousins would come by and say, oh, I didn't know you could do that. What I find out is that I have a lot of creative people in my family. And so the drawing itself for me was really magical. It was this, this idea that there was something I could do that was pretty unique. And I was, I was actually praised for it. You know, I was encouraged by it. Your work now incorporates glass bottles, fabric, string, wood, clay, beads, sequins, even hair. When starting a project, what comes first, the materials or the concept? The materials. And the reason for that is I just believe that materials carry with them their own signature, just in terms of being able to respond to um, how they're used. Um, I started out as a painter, of course, you know, and for me, it always was about trying to take that medium and and figure out the most expressive way I could use it. And what attracted me about painting at the time was looking at the abstract expressionists. I loved the idea of that, the concept of the sublime, which was this notion that you had to be able to read beneath the surface of the paint in order to get its meaning. And so for me, the materials are a large part of the expression of work that I use now. Um, the bottles were sort of the form. 
So when I talk about spirit sculptures or I talk about, you know, using certain kinds of materials in order to create a piece, I look for a way that they may resonate. You know, they resonate with me. They're very personal in some ways. And so part of me is really looking at at how those materials create a sense of discovery in their own way. It could be fabric. It could be beads. It could be, you know, glass. It could be all those things have a reflective quality in some ways. Some of your art includes small objects like little metal airplanes or taxidermied birds. What does your collection of materials look like? <laughs> like a lot of junk. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of different things. And I, I collect, you know, a lot of times when I'm in thrift stores, I collect things, you know, which means that it's as organized as it can be. And sometimes I'm doing something and I think that just might work because I'm dealing with a political concept at that point in time, or I'm dealing with a spiritual concept at some point in time. You know, all of it really begins to to yield for me a kind of narrative. That's what I'm looking for, a narrative in the pieces. And do you usually have that narrative in mind when you reach to the shelf of the thrift store and pick something up? Or do you need to live with these things for a while for them, for the narrative to start to clarify? It works both ways. I I actually have things on my shelf that I've had for years. And when I go back to begin my work, it fits. It fits the, the particular subject matter that I'm working with or the narrative that I'm working with. In terms of birds, you know, the same thing. It, it may be that that particular bird that I select from my collection, uh, my husband used to collect birds too, which really surprised me when I started thinking about the work itself, um, how those become uh, symbols for, you know, for thought, especially within the concept of the African diaspora. You know, it they have the bird on top of the head, sort of a manifestation of the spirit. And so different birds have different meanings, but a lot of times I'll choose a crow. I think crows are pretty amazing as a bird. Religion is a source of inspiration for you. Talk about that. It is, and I think about, you know, how I grew up uh, in my own community. Um, my grandparents were certainly were were deacons. My grandfather was a deacon in a Baptist church, but I grew up as a Baha'i, a member of the Baha'i faith. And one of the things that always intrigued me was this concept of how we come together as human beings. What is what are our our influences and how do we how do we see the world? And so in terms of looking at this concept of of our human uh, relationship, uh, the Baha'is taught me a lot, you know, taught me a lot about what it was to look at the world as a global community, not as, you know, a singular, you know, source of humanity. You know, we're dealing with, at this point in time with, with racism, we're dealing with, you know, our lack of community, you know, all our senses are uh, sort of focused on our separateness. And, you know, I became a Baha'i when I was 15 years old. And I always, always thought the most important thing to me was to investigate for one's 
self. That's one of the principles. You have to, you don't, you know, you're not part of a cult. You have to go out and look at the world in a way that is informing you and giving you uh, the kind of knowledge that you need in order to uh, exist on this planet. Because we also know that we're all interconnected in that way. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast, speaking with Maryland multimedia artist Oletha Devane. In June, Devane received a 2023 Baker Artist Award. Her work is part of the permanent collections of the Corcoran Gallery of Art, the Baltimore Museum of Art, the Museum of the Bible, and the Museum of the Americas. You have had an extensive career in arts education, including three decades as a faculty member of the college preparatory McDonough School in Owings Mills. Last year, the school unveiled the Memorial to Those Enslaved and Freed, which you designed. Tell us about this memorial. I think about the historical narratives that are in our lives, especially as an African-American artist. And I, I think too little attention has been made about you know, how that artistic development comes about. But I work with my students to convey to them through the archives, through McDonough's archive, the history of their school. And so in my ninth grade classes, I did do projects that focused on those people who were enslaved by John McDonough in Louisiana, and how many plantations he had. And it was pointed out to me by the archivists that this particular manifest of his slaves existed. Uh, it was a 20-year project, really. Hmm. And it was about convincing people that the story needed to be told. Um, and it needed to be told in a really public kind of way. Um, I feel that the meetings, there were several meetings that constantly went on with the board, with individuals, you know, with the history department, just to seek a way to focus on that issue. And a number of people were concerned about, you know, how it would affect McDonough's name, uh, which I totally ignored. I thought that was <laughs> not my issue. You know, my issue was, we got to tell the truth. and And the truth to me is, going back and really looking at how we evolved you know it was it was really in the context of george floyd you know being murdered all these things and my father who was also very much a part of the southern migration he left home because he knew he would be lynched so all those mm. things you know carrying that that history and understanding that that history is still being unveiled, um, that it was important for me to do this memorial at the behest of the of the the current head of school, Dave Ferres. I think that it took a long time to get there. And when I say twenty years, it took twenty years to get there to that place of having that memorial done. Um, the memorial itself is is to honor all those enslaved, but the two people that are depicted... I should say this is so people get some image in their minds. This is a 14-foot-tall sculpture. 
It includes a sweet gum tree, sugar cane, mm-hmm. and these profiles you're about to tell us about of two figures. Yes. And the profiles represent two people. One was quite resistant about uh, not coming back to the plantation, and that was David Kearney McDonough. He and, and even though McDonough had, you know, sent him to Lafayette College in uh, in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania was a free state, and so he decided not to come back, and he went on to become a doctor in New York, starting the first hospital hmm. in Harlem. Um, the young woman who's being, you know, sort of depicted is a, was a teacher on the plantation. She taught the Sunday school. And so by, by reference, she taught people how to read. And she ended up going to Liberia. David McDonough decided he was not going to Liberia, and that's why he ended up in New York. So I chose those two people because of their ability to say, I'm not, you're not sending me anywhere. And I'm just, I'm just going to be able to, you know, do what I need to do in order to survive. Um, I, I tend to work with the, the heroes who are resilient in that respect. But everybody else on the walls, there are people who were part of the plantation, people who were uh, sent to Liberia. These the Liberia. Their, their names. These are their names, exactly. These are all the names, not all the names. We, The names that we could pull off of the records from, you know, both uh, uh, the, the three plantations, basically, that were in Louisiana. What What do you hope students take away from this memorial? There are a lot of opportunities to be created that are educational. Um, the way that the memorial was designed was to be uh, K through 12. And the reason I've, I designed it that way was so that people could sit, maybe even contemplate uh, what the memorial might mean, even, the, even if they don't know. Um, I chose the sweet gum and the steel uh, because it's a reflective light that, you know, bounces off of the uh, material, uh, the environment bounces off of that material. Um, it's it's in keeping with my spirit sculptures and the concept of light. So there's a magic to uh, looking at the the sweet gum tree, which, when you look at their leaves, they're they're shaped like stars. And so I really think about these things when I'm trying to. Uh, develop uh, maybe even a concept and it, based on a certain kind of material that may be involved. So I, I look at it as an opportunity for students to ask questions. And that's the hope, that they ask questions. Why Why is this piece there? What does it mean? Why are all the names there? If a child is two years old, why was that child two years old and where was that child located? So all these things to me are just really relevant uh, as we work through um, our public art phase of of trying to create work, um, it has to have some sense of of being able to interpret. Olitha, thank you so much for talking with me. Oh God, thank you for asking. It's lovely to uh, to be able to share. 
Olathe Devane lives in Ellicott City. She's a recipient of the 2023 Baker Artist Award. At the On the Record page, you can find links to images of her work. Maryland Public Television will air profiles of the 2023 Baker Artist Award winners tonight at 7.30 p.m. on MPTHD and online at mpt.org slash livestream. Short break on the record. One more back, a stoop story. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Stay with us.